0: That recliner almost chopped my mate's finger off. This is what our killer looks like. Tire. Everyone has been affected in one way or another by this terrible tomato onslaught.
1: There was a a standing lamp in this room. What
0: happened to
2: it? Attack of the Killer Objects! Hi! And welcome back to yet another riveting episode of Attack of the Killer Objects. I'm your your host, Anesthesia, and my lovely guest, Crime with Kendra, is back for
0: the third time? Third Uh, time. Well, we did Christine and magic magic yes yes so third third time yay welcome back (laughs) also when you said your name it sounded like you said anesthesia not anastasia (laughs) well that's funny because i have had
2: people pronounce it that way and i'm like really (laughs)
0: because
2: uh yeah it my name doesn't look like it sounds like anesthesia in any way but you know whatever.
0: (laughs) I get people that call me Cassandra all the time. I'm like no. (laughs) There's no s in your name anywhere.
2: (laughs) Nope. All right Kendra well today we are talking about Maximum Overdrive. You're back for your second Stephen King adaptation because you know what Stephen King loves a killer object and i love stephen king yes you do yes you do and that's why we had you on for two stephen kings and you know what very soon we're gonna be doing another stephen king adaptation not with you but with some of (gasps) my british (laughs) with some of my british friends from across the pond for 1995's the mangler oh cool have you ever seen the mangler I have not. Do you know about the Mangler? No, I have not heard of it, and I'm
0: super intrigued.
2: It's like a giant industrial laundry steam press. Oh. And it is very bloody.
1: <laughs> nice.
2: It totally sucks the entire woman into it at one point. I and dig like, it. Yeah, it's really gory. It's not the greatest movie story-wise, and but it does have Robert England as the villain, so that's fun. He's the one
0: that's um, Freddy, right? Yes, that's Freddie. Freddie is like the <laughs> one character that creeps me right out. I don't know what it is about him, but he just, he gives me the heebie-jeebies. Is it the claw? <laughs> I, I don't know, just... I think it's like his concept of mm-hmm. like being asleep and like not being able to escape. It's just, I don't know. Is so that very claustrophobic going. for you? Kinda. I just yeah. I don't like it. I get he's, that. I get that. He's one horror mainer major villain, whatever, that just gives me the heebie jeebies. I get
2: that. Um he's definitely scary in the first film. Yeah. Um, definitely creepy in the first film, but as the series progresses, he just becomes a character of himself. And he's just, you know, he says I mean there's even an episode of Rick and Morty where they make fun of it, but he just says bitch a lot and <laughs> says like funny one-liners and he becomes the person you root for almost instead of the you know the heroines (laughs)
0: that's funny
2: yeah robert england's in the mangler but we're not talking about the mangler today we are talking about maximum overdrive so kendra i sent you this movie because we couldn't find it streaming anywhere (laughs) in canada So I mailed it to you.
0: (laughs) Yes, and I was very confused the day it came in the mail. Because I was like, I didn't order things. What?
2: Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) I got you maximum overdrive. It's yours to keep.
0: But we're recording that.
2: (laughs) All right, so... Did you like the movie?
0: Yeah, it's cheesy. I love cheesy horror. Like, I I love the cheesier the better. Oh,
2: Right? I mean, obviously, I'm a cheesy horror stan myself because I have an entire podcast about killer objects, which is inherently cheesy. (laughs) So, let's set the scene. A comet crosses the tail, or, I mean, the Earth crosses the tail of a comet, and previously inanimate machines suddenly spring to life across the Ooh. earth Ooh. an ATM calls a customer an asshole this is Stephen King by the way and a cameo he does like to do cameos in his films okay. um and I mean and I mean this one in particular is just Stephen King all over because it's written and directed by Stephen King <laughs>
0: Yeah. So it's very heavy. He's ever directed. It's the only one he's ever
2: directed. It is the only one he's ever directed because he, it was a cocaine fueled nightmare. And uh, he has panned it himself. He's like, you know what? Let's just not talk about that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It sucks. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) maybe That's why it's so hard to find because uh, he's burned all the copies. (laughs)
2: he's just like bought up all the copies.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and won't give over the streaming rights.
2: I have no idea if there's any truth to that, but I you know, maybe.
0: <laughs> I like my theory. I,
2: like, I I was about to say I like the theory. <laughs> so we see um a bascule bridge rise during heavy traffic causing all the vehicles upon the bridge to fall into the river and or collide, which sets, you know, a chaos effect off and machines everywhere are attacking humans. So let's go to the tiny little truck stop, the Dixie Boy truck stop, just outside of Wilmington, North Carolina. Employee Duncan Keller, is blinded after a gas dispenser sprays diesel in his eyes. Which, it's pretty comical. Like, the, the, the attacks in this are pretty funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so then we have an electric knife that injures waitress Wanda June, and arcane, arcade machines in the back room electrocute one of the customers. It's pandemonium. Um <laughs> Paroled ex convict Bill Robinson begins to suspect that something is amiss. No way, you don't have fights with your electronics on a daily basis? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, um, at a Little League game, we see a vending machine kill a coach by firing canned sodas point blank at him. <laughs> Which is fucking hysterical. This is one of my favorite scenes. Um, yes. we also we also see a driverless road roller flatten one of the children that's like fleeing on the baseball field. And yes. <clears throat> what's that? I said, yeah, yeah. And Duncan's son Deek, does manage to escape on his bike. We see him like go near the um <clears throat> the coke machine. With an umpire mask on to, like, protect himself from getting shot by the the soda cannon, if you will. (laughs) It does, it works. He gets his bike and he flees, you know, terrified because everyone's dead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So then we have newlyweds Connie and Kurt who stop at a gas station where the tow truck tries to kill Kurt. (laughs) But he and Connie escape and they're off in their car and... We see Deke riding through town as humans and even pets are brutally killed by lawnmowers, chainsaws, electric hair dryers, pocket radios, RC cars, an ice cream truck. You name it, it's killing people.
0: <laughs> oh, that ice cream truck was creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was.
2: Because you, you think about the tune and then it just like creeping up on people. <laughs> yeah, it's very menacing. Absolutely. So back at the Dixie Boy, a garbage truck kills Duncan. Womp womp.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and a truck sporting a giant green goblin mask, as in the villain from Spider-Man. It runs over a Bible salesman. <laughs> Later, several big grid trucks start to like rally around the truck stop, circling it. Meanwhile, Connie and Kurt are being pursued by a semi on the road, and they make it crash off the side of the road by you know, evasive maneuvers, and it explodes. And they end up at the truck stop, the Dixie Boy, because it's convenient to the plot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they try to get past the circle of trucks, but um, their car is hit by one of them and overturns Bill and Brett Graham, a hitchhiker, rush to help them, but the trucks attack them. And the owner of the truck stop, Bubba Henderson, uses an M-72 rocket that he has stored in a hidden bunker. (laughs) Under the diner. Why not? Because, yeah, exactly. To destroy a bunch of the trucks, but not all of them. Deke, little Deke, has managed to survive on just his bicycle this whole time. That's serious plot armor, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He makes it to the truck stop uh, later that evening, and he tries to enter it via the sewers, because that's the only way he would possibly make it alive. Um, but it is obstructed by some wire mesh. That night, the survivors hear the Bible salesman (laughs) screaming in a ditch, and Bill and Kurt sneak out to help him by climbing through the sewers. Deke finds the Bible salesman and thinks he's dead at first, but then he suddenly jumps up and attacks Deke. Bill and Kurt rescue Deke from him and... A truck chases them back into the sewer. Now, the following morning, a bulldozer and a platform truck drive into, the, well, drive to the truck stop. And Henderson uses the rocket launcher to blow up the bulldozer. That rocket launcher is really handy. Yes. <laughs> but the platform truck fires its post-mounted machine gun. Yeah, it has a mounted machine gun on it because why not? And it kills several people, including Henderson and Wanda. Now, the truck then demands, via Morse code signals through its horn, (laughs) that the humans pump the trucks with diesel uh, in order for them to stay alive. Like, hey, we need diesel to keep going, even though we're possessed. Because, okay. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> um, and we'll, you know, if you do this for us because we obviously can't, we don't have thumbs. <laughs> um then you know, we'll let you go, basically, is the gist of what's happening here. The survivors, they soon kind of realize that the machines have them, you know, they're enslaved essentially. so yeah Bill's, yeah. so Bill suggests that they escape to a local island just off the coast on which no motorized vehicles are permitted. Which is the best place at this point. So the crew is resting and Bill theorizes that the comet is actually a broom operated by interstellar aliens that are using Earth's machines to destroy humanity so the aliens can repopulate the Earth. That's some real tinfoil hat shit there, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, goodness. I mean... the comet does have something to do with it. But the rest of it is pretty far-fetched. Not that everything that's happening isn't far-fetched, though, you know? Yeah. I would I would just be throwing, um, I guess, all logic out the window at this point. I'd be like, I don't know what the rules are anymore. <laughs> like, I don't know how anything works. Okay. I so, feel
0: like the ending is very Heaven Gates cult-like.
2: Kind of. So, during the fueling operation, you know, they're trying to you know, for their lives, right? Uh, Bill Bill sneaks a grenade onto the platform truck, destroying it, and then leads the rest of the crew out of the diner via a sewer hatch to the main road just as the trucks demolish the entire truck stop. So they barely made it out of there. Yeah. But the Green Goblin truck, which is like the leader of the trucks, basically, pursues the survivors to the docks, managing to kill Trucker Brad when he falls behind. Now, after Bill destroys the truck with a direct hit from the rocket, because the rocket is just this, the real savior of this movie, uh, the survivors then sail off to safety, and a title card epilogue explains that two days later, a UFO was destroyed by a Soviet weather satellite, conveniently equipped with Class 4 nuclear missiles and a laser cannon.
0: <laughs> totally unrelated.
2: Yeah, right? mm So, six days later, Earth passes out of the comet's tail and shit goes back to normal. And the rest of the survivors on the island are all still kicking and
0: alive. The end. (laughs) Like, it just, it reminds me so much of Heaven's Gate's, like, craziness. I don't know why.
2: It's, I mean, it's gotta be the comet connection, right? Because that's what Heaven's Gate believed, the Heaven's Gate cult believed that when the Hale-Bopp comet that
0: passed by Earth in 1997. Yeah, they they thought they were. Board the rocket and become angels and blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah, yeah. They believed some pretty, like, insane things. (laughs) like i never really t- like my brain never really connected that until you were just reading it all and then i was like this is so heavens gate and i don't know why
2: <laughs> i feel like it's got to be the tinfoil hat theory and the, the whole comet connection
0: yeah i feel I mean, like they, they were also crazy enough to believe that uh you know giant transport trucks would murder them <laughs>
2: <laughs> i mean they're pretty out there i mean cuz and this is one of those few cults where the leader seemed to really believe the shit that he was spouting. Cause I mean, he yeah. killed himself, cause he killed himself too. And not like, in not like the way Jim Jones did because he, you know, had no other way out, you know, like he did it just the way everyone else did in the cult. Yeah. But, uh, that's really a topic for my other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> segue. So Kendra, let's talk about our favorite kills and whatnot. So, What do you have for best kill?
0: Um, the pop can machine, obviously, but I also really liked the part where, like, the smokes were, like, attacking the guy in the arcade. Yes, that was good.
2: I have the steamroller kill because Mm. because I just didn't think they were gonna go there,
0: and I enjoyed (laughs) that. That
2: little, that little, little league player didn't stand a chance.
0: Yeah there's there's no limits when it comes to Stephen King. You you kill kids, we don't care. <laughs> this is true. I've seen Pet Cemetery. Yeah, right. Um all right, so Who do you have for worst? What do you have for worst kill? Um, the dog that has the toy in his his mouth when, uh, Deke's just, like, riding by on his bike. Like, you don't see the kill, but just, like, I don't know, seeing the sad dog laying there who just, poor puppers, just wanted to chase the toy and then died.
2: Yeah, I had that, too, because, I mean, we all know how much I hate animal death in movies. (laughs) Like, the dog clearly clearly got killed by one of the trucks, and it's just, it's awful. It was sad. Yeah.
0: So who do you have for best character? Uh the kid, Deke. He's the only one who really didn't like annoy me the entire film or drive me freaking nuts. Sure. Fair. Um, I went with the Green Goblin
2: semi truck. Because oh. I because I found it I didn't really relate to any of the humans in this film. <laughs> Um, but I, I've enjoyed the villainy of
0: the, uh, the Green Goblin truck. Very nice. Yeah, I get that. What do you have for worst character? So I actually have two. Um, so the pervert Bible salesman, because he's a pervert and just really kind of gross and annoying. And... He brought the hitchhiker girl with him, who eventually also became my least favorite character, because she was just so annoying, and it seemed like all she really cared about was getting late.
2: Yeah, even during, uh, you know, a machine revolution apocalypse, she's like about the sex (laughs) yeah but you know i mean in some ways i kind of get it like if i think i'm probably about to bite the dust to a animated semi
0: truck i too might want to get laid one more time i just found it weird that like the beginning of the film she's all like ew someone's flirting with me that's gross you're pervy i hate you and then like 30 minutes later she's like oh emilio Estevez. i mean that's kind of fair but
2: uh you know it's a woman's prerogative to change her mind
0: (laughs) I just felt like the writing for it was really awkward and weird with her. her oh, character. I mean,
2: the writing for all of the characters is not great. Sorry, Stephen.
0: <laughs> the whole film um, just seems awkward.
2: It is. The whole film is awkward, but it is a cult, uh, cheesy, inanimate object classic. <laughs> yes. Alright, so what's your most what-the-fuck moment?
0: Um, it would be probably, again, the sex scene, because I don't understand why that needed to happen. But also, when the machine gun comes out, and it sh- shoots up the shop, and then it made, like, this really weird snort afterwards. And I was just like, what the fuck?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Um, I have the fact that the uh, the, the satellite just conveniently had you know, nuclear missiles and whatnot.
0: Yeah, that that was super suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Yeah. Don't be suspicious. But uh given the way Russia's acting lately <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Stephen King's a time traveler and he was just predicting what's going to happen. And we should oh, all I mean it.
2: I don't know. I mean we were super in the middle of um the Cold War when this came out. So I, it makes sense for the time period. I guess. Yes. Okay, so what do you have? For, yes. What do you have for funniest moment though?
0: Uh the very first scene when the bank was saying, fuck you, and then called Stephen King an asshole.
2: Uh yes, that's what I have too. I super enjoy the Stephen King cameo. He goes, Hey sugar buns, come over here. That machine just called me an asshole. <laughs>
0: And then, like, the the big part that, like, says to everyone on top, it was just reading, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you.
2: Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, that was, you know what? That was the only agency that the ATM had, so he was lashing out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, if I was uh, a machine that came to life, that's how I would be. Just, fuck you, asshole, fuck you. <laughs> I
2: mean, especially if I'm... Not a vi- anything that can do any kind of violence and everybody else is getting to go on a murder spree. Yeah, then I'm just going to be a dick. Yeah, all I can do is curse at you and eat <laughs> your debit card. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I mean, you could probably spit out money at people really fast. Maybe give them a good old paper cut.
2: You could. You could threaten. You could, like, I don't know, try to do hypnotism on them. Kind of like. Have you seen American Psycho? yes. You know how there's that scene in American Psycho where the ATM tells Patrick Bateman to feed it a cat?
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) I think about that when I see this movie, when the ATM's talking. Like, it could do something fucked up like that. Even though I know that's just Patrick Bateman's mind. Bateman's mind.
0: (laughs) Yeah. His mind reminds me a lot of Tyler from uh, Fight Club. Just imagining shit.
2: You know, they're both definitely um, sick individuals who yes.
0: um,
2: have made some interesting decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, at least when Tyler is Jack, you know, the narrator in, in the film and book. Yeah. At least when he's Jack, he doesn't... Um, He doesn't outwardly want violence or this revolution. He's, like, trying to stop it. (laughs) Yes. But, you know, spoiler alert for a 24-year-old film. (laughs) He suddenly realizes, oh, fuck, you know, um, I am fighting myself. Uh, That's actually one of my favorite movies, though.
0: I I love love both of those movies. I'd never seen either of them until uh, probably a couple years ago. And then Ron realized that I'd never seen Fight Club. And he's like, oh, my God, you've never seen Fight Club? And I was like like no and he's like do you know the twist and i was like there's a twist to fight club and he's like oh you have to watch it and somehow i had managed to go my whole life without knowing the twist and then we watched it and then at the end i was like what the fuck was that that's incredible
2: i love that you that you didn't know that until very recently
0: (laughs) that was only a couple
2: years ago man i've owned a copy of fight club since i was like 14 (laughs) Both the book and the film, actually, I love them both. You know that end shot of Fight Club, where um, the Pixies, whereas my mind starts playing, and Marla and Tyler are holding hands, just watching all the buildings blow up. Yeah, uh, I want to get that last that little scene of their silhouettes with the buildings blowing up. I want to get that tattooed. That's cool. Yeah, I think, right. I th- it's one of my favorite scenes in the film, and I love that movie so much. Um. It just seems like the perfect thing from that and that I, I love that song too and i've seen it performed live by the pixies
0: hmm See, I, I want a Stephen King tattoo, but I cannot decide which greatness can can go onto Ooh, my body. Sure. My favorite book and movie ever, though, is Misery. But I just can't figure out the right concept that isn't just her bashing his ankles in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, that's exactly where my mind went. I was like, I would have the ankle hobbling yeah. scene tattooed on me. <laughs> That, I mean, I already have a Disney sleeve. Why life? not a
0: Stephen King sleeve?
2: <laughs> True. Um, I saw a tattoo years ago that someone had. And it was red rum tattooed, like the way Danny wrote, writes it in The Shining, tattooed. Right yes, tattooed right underneath her boob. Ooh, I like that. It Have you so
0: seen the, the 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 second one of that? Uh, oh, what? Dr. Doc- Sleep? Yeah. Of Have you course. seen that one? Of course. That was twisted. I liked that. I
2: love Mike Flanagan, who is who directed that he did the um haunting of hill house and the haunting of blind manor and midnight Ooh. mass on netflix yep yep and he also did uh gerald's game and oculus like everything Gerald he's ever put in, weird oh my god the degloving scene i will never get out of my brain
0: <laughs> like when her hand comes when the skin comes off her hand, I'm just like ah! Yeah, there's just something about peeling skin that just mm. hits you the wrong way. For I... me it's eyeballs. Anything where like <clears throat> you see pain in an eye, I just I cannot. I can't oh. do it.
2: Well, never watch
0: Unshian Andalu then. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It is like a 100-something-year-old, at this point, um, silent film by Louis Buñuel, and uh, it's like a co-thing that he did with Salvador Dali, uh, because they were buds. But it's this very surrealistic silent film, and one of the scenes has a woman slice her eyeball open with a razor Uh blade, and then you see all the like visceral goo
0: from her eye. Ah, uh, see out. Oh, uh, if you could see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh you're welcome you never have to see that now because I just told you what happens <laughs>
0: thank you Ew. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't Hi. know what it is about eyeballs but I just I can't it's like I'm a smoker and I don't know if it's the same thing in America but in Canada all of our packs of cigarettes have different pictures on them of like reasons to not smoke mm-hmm. and there's like a picture of a baby's crib and it's like says something about like secondhand smoke and then there's one that has like a dude with a hole in his throat and then there's another one with like because I also work at a convenience store I've told you I'm sure that I've mentioned that before so like I, t- I touch all the cigarettes all day and uh sure then there's two that I can't I I think there's one that's really gross it's like a tongue and it's all white and blistery and grossness but there's mm-hmm. one that's an eyeball with a needle sticking into it and just oh I can't oh <laughs> ah! Whenever I used to get that pack of smokes, I would take a Sharpie and black it out.
2: (laughs) Amazing. That's, that's how effective that, that was.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's supposed to deter people from smoking by telling them the dangers, you know, can cause blindness, can give you like flush or thrush in your mouth. It can harm babies when you're pregnant and give you holes in your throat. And I'm just like, nah, there's an eyeball, gross. (laughs) Right. So in America they don't do that. They do not um put
2: pitch, gross like health class scare tactic pictures on your uh, cigarettes. But there is a Surgeon General a Surgeon General's warning in like big letters that says, you know, it could cause harm or whatever diseases, blah blah blah, cancer. Yep. Um but the commercials on TV, there's they don't Okay, so in America you're not allowed to advertise cigarettes on TV. Yeah. Or, um, and I don't think you're allowed to, I don't think you're allowed to do it in magazines anymore either. We can't in Canada either. But instead we just have copious amounts of anti-drug and anti-smoking commercials on TV. Yeah. And they're yeah. always, not like, even once. Yeah. And it'll be like, you know, it, it varies depending on, but you know, some of them are just be like facts. Like I know that the truth um, org ones used to be like, you know, they'd get like, like a bunch of people like a flash mob almost to stand out there and they'd be like this many people died of smoking today or something like that they're just very uh scare tacticy. y but i mean i get it though smoking's bad for you
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i've seen i don't remember which state it is of yours i want to say it's like down south somewhere but they have commercials about meth and it's like meth not even once and that just sticks in my head. And it's not a Canadian commercial, but I was looking up like PSAs that are like funny, but not funny kind of thing because I'm twisted. And I was looking <laughs> up, like old Canadian PSAs because we used to get them all the time. And I came across the Meth Not Even Once series and oh my god.
2: <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna have to look this up because that's hysterical. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm
0: gonna laugh if it's from your home state.
2: It's well, I don't think so because I would have remembered it. I feel like, um,
0: yeah. but
2: let's let's find out. Um, no, it's from Montana. Ah, I thought it started with an M. You know what? That makes sense though because check this out. The only person that I ever knew that moved from Mississippi to Montana was definitely on meth. <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. hilarious. Uh, I mean, it's also sad, but but yeah, that guy was definitely on meth. <laughs> He was like squatting in his own house like the utilities and stuff had been um turned off and uh like the house had been like vines had grown over it and it was like being threatened to be condemned every other day by the city. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, and that's why he ended up um moving to
0: Montana. Although I don't oh, know your meth. I
2: <laughs> Man, I don't know. Be part of the Montana
0: Meth Project?
2: Maybe. I mean, I'm pretty sure that he was already on meth, and that's how his house got that way. (laughs) That makes sense. And his wife died in, like, a mysterious circumstance. Yeah, I kind of think he killed her, but that is um, speculation purely. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. That's when I lived in a real good neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Can't you tell? Yeah, mm-hmm, apparently. Mm-hmm, exactly. Well, that's that's our show for this week.
0: <laughs> I have a fun fact. Do tell. So the annoying bride that's in the film mm-hmm. is Nan is um voiced by Nancy Car- Cartwright or not Nancy Cartwright um the lady voiced by who- the
2: voice of Lisa Simpson.
0: Yes, Lisa Simpson. Nancy Cartwright is is Bart Simpson, but uh, yeah, it's uh Lisa Simpson. The whole I'm film, not- it was driving me nuts because I'm like, why do I know your voice?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, what's Lisa? Um, she actually has her own true crime podcast now called Small Town Dicks. That's cool! Yeah. Um, I was gonna say something else. Um, Fun fact about Nancy Cartwright. She is a Scientologist. Ooh. Yeah. She'll try to indoctrinate you. She will.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder if her and Tom Cruise hang out. <laughs> I have with the Master prob- I mean,
2: probably at, like, Scientology events, because both of them are high donors. They've both donated millions of dollars to Scientology.
0: See, I didn't not know that I follow her on TikTok though. Yeah, she's a Scientologist hardcore. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. See, her TikTok is mostly just like her showing off all of her different voices and stuff.
2: Done, no, that makes sense.
0: That is why she's famous.
2: <laughs> it's not because she's a Scientologist. If anything, I'm sure her publicist's like, please don't talk about that.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that honestly, most people don't even know Tom Cruise for like his movies anymore, just that he's a crazy Scientologist.
2: I mean, when he jumped, when he hopped up and down on Oprah's couch, he really wasn't helping himself. That's all I'm
0: saying. Nah, he crazy. A little bit. Scientology little bit. crazy.
2: All right. So
0: we're going to wrap it up. Kendra, would you like to, would you like to plug your IG? Um, Yeah, uh, I haven't been on it in a while because I've been currently, doing a lot of other things um but it's crime with kendra yeah I, I i used to do the podcast with olivia we all know that and um i am sort of trying to find something else to do on my own i just haven't quite figured it out yet but uh yeah if you want to follow all me right. it's crime with kendra yeah and kendra, kendra has an h yes <laughs> Make <laughs> it sound sexy
2: uh my friend of the show, Mary Lady Crisis, will tell you that I do a good sensual voice.
1: <laughs> we, What's uh, that I
0: wasn't Bell in you.
2: <laughs> I imitated, um, I forget which movie it was that we watched. Oh, it was, um, it was Chopping Mall. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's like nope. killer security robots. Nice. Yeah, from, and it's very 80s, but there's a scene where this one character is like, will You go get me some cigarettes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, apparently I do a good sexy voice. Who knew?
0: <laughs> I like it. Thanks. <laughs>
2: right. Okay. So, um, yeah, either this or my episode on Canadian cult classic Pin uh, will be coming out soon. So I'm not sure which one comes out first, but, you know, we'll see. This <laughs> just... one was
0: meant to come out a few months ago, so.
2: This is true. We originally recorded this on December 7th, 2022, and yes. the audio was completely shot to hell and back. We sounded like we were underwater, <laughs> and it was bad. So now we've re-recorded it, done and in the can. all right everyone we will catch you next episode bye thank you for having me absolutely thank you for being my
1: guest as always bye bye attack of the killer objects is edited written and produced by anastasia bird that would be me aotko theme was created by me as well with free use music and clips from the following films Killer Sofa, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Amityville for The Evil Escapes, and Rubber. The outro music is They Come at Night by Shane Ivers, courtesy of Silvermansound.com. Our website is linktree forward slash Attack of the Killer Objects. There you can find descriptions of all of our episodes as well as our merch store. We have apparel and accessories for all ages. Check it out. And if you enjoyed today's show, be sure to leave us a five-star review in the podcast app of your choice. Until next time.